1: I'm Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Beverly Jarenko, and she is the founder of Inside Edge Consulting. She supports people to build a world filled with inclusion so everyone can shine. She helps people unmask their assumptions around diversity so they can see bias and truly embrace belonging. Beverly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm thrilled to be with you. Can you share a little bit about how you became a consultant in diversity?
0: Yeah, I think diversity, equity, and inclusion is some of the most important work that we can do today. And for me, it's been something that's been part of how I was born, I guess, even from a very young age, I was very sensitive and would always notice when people were being left out or looking uncomfortable in a social situation. And really, I got interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion when I um, was the owner of a janitorial company about 20 years ago. And I noticed for the first time and firsthand how unfair our system is when I saw how hard people work for so little money and how our stereotypes of people who are working in minimum wage jobs are really untrue. It underscored for me the importance of having a cushion in life because I saw for some people that if their boiler broke, the entire family would go into a tailspin or if grandma was ill and needed to go to the hospital, it took all of their money and more than that so that people would miss work, they would be so stressed out they couldn't perform at work. It just really destroyed all of the infrastructure that was there for people. And, and, and it's not, that's not right. That really puts people at a disadvantage in starting out. So from there, I began to do a lot of work in my community with diverse communities and then went back into the corporate world for an oil and gas company as the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now through Inside Edge Consulting, I do most of my work one-on-one with inclusion and need to break down some of their biases so they can become fully inclusive. My option is what speaks to you the most. So I'm gonna give you my definition because it resonates with me. Diversity is a mixture of people with talents and features and characteristics all mixed together. And that includes the people who are in the minority and the people who are the most frequent members of the group. It's really all of us. Diversity isn't for other people over there. It's for everybody because we are all part of humankind and we need to work together. Inclusion, they say diversity is like being invited to the dance and inclusion is being asked to dance once you finally get there. So inclusion is when you're brought in and you're involved, you're not excluded socially or left on the sidelines. You're treated as a human being and really part of the group, not somebody who's different and looked at in a different way or treated differently. Equity is when you're invited to contribute to the playlist. So that's when you can really get in and really get involved. And in fact, if the playlist is being generated on a software that you don't have and you're not familiar with, equity means I'm gonna get you that software, I'm gonna give you training in this respectful way, and then I'm gonna invite you in your own terms to come up with uh, the learning curve so that you can participate fully and be an active member of the group. And then there's another part to diversity, equity, and inclusion, which I think of as uh, belonging, And that's when you can be your authentic self with the group without any stress or worry about who you are, what your background is, where you came from, what you look like, what your personal features are. It's when you can just relax and be yourself. And when we are relaxed, that's when we are performing at our best.
1: What is it to belong, feel that authentically versus it being forced and kind of in a forced environment?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think, um, I think you can really feel like you belong when you feel comfortable making mistakes. That's good. (laughs) I like that because when you are in the minority, it doesn't always happen this way, but it can often happen that you feel reluctant to ask questions or look like you don't know what you're talking about because you feel like other people are going to share amongst themselves that you don't know what you're doing, or say, "Look at her; she doesn't know what she's doing," or "Look at that person who came from that other country." Gosh, what was their educational system like? They can't even do that. But if you're in the majority, you feel comfortable making mistakes and you feel comfortable seeking out the advice of others because that it's normal to make mistakes. We are all going to make mistakes and we have things to learn. And when you're in the majority, people tend to cover for you. They say, oh, it's normal. They're just coming up the learning curve. They're going to learn. I'm going to help them. I'm going to take them under my wing. So I think that when you truly belong, You can let yourself be vulnerable. And that opens you up to learning, to being really part of the team, and hopefully generates mutual respect so we can then grow together.
1: Why do you think it's difficult for some to slow down and find compassion? Well, I think
0: some of us are extremely goal oriented. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've always got that goal that I'm going for ahead of me. And uh, others, and this can come with it too push ourselves very hard we have a lot of drive we don't expect any less from other people than we do of ourselves we tend to be very hard of ourselves and we're really uh, trying to seek that perfection which we are never going to achieve and there's a tendency to think that if you didn't if if you didn't perform as well as you wanted to it's because you didn't work hard enough or you didn't try hard enough And those people, because they work so hard and perform at at such a high level are often the ones that are promoted to management. So if you've got there because you're so goal oriented and because you're so hard on yourself, one, it's hard to slow down because any discussion or issue that comes up is gonna keep you from advancing towards your goal. And two, you can justify how you respond to other people when they're trying to learn something and in the, from the frame of, well, I'm so hard on myself, I'm not putting them to any, any standard that I don't put myself to, but actually um, that dehumanizes people a little bit. And it doesn't acknowledge the fact that you two are imperfect and that other people helped you along as you were coming along the way. So I think it's, it's, it's difficult and that's where people really need to stop and retrain themselves and stop those automatic reactions in their brains from responding to situations where they don't have compassion and go through an exercise of putting themselves into other people's shoes and remembering that bringing out the best in people and looking for the good things that are in their ideas, rather than trying to look for the ways to strike down what's in somebody's work or some ideas is much more motivating, it generates better loyalty among teams, and it's going to be better for your company
1: retention and your performance in the long run. Yeah, I like that. It's so easy to get very project focused. Like you're going to get X, Y, and Z done and you get in that tunnel vision and go, 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 go. And then, like you said, even in that, if you're dealing with people around you that Maybe they need to fix part of the problem, whatever it is. And if you get very and I used to do this, where I'd be like, okay, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed, this needs to be fixed, and then I'm <laughs> off, I off I go. But and then I got some feedback. Could you take some more time and explain to me why? And explain and talk to me abor- more about like what I'm doing good. that sort of thing. And I didn't think that, oh, I didn't know that you needed me to reinforce you. Thank you. And was able to kind of correct that, but it's so easy to get in that tunnel vision when you're getting things done.
0: Mm,
1: Absolutely. And another unintended consequence of being
0: so in that tunnel vision, as you mentioned, is that when you are hard on people, and don't respond compassionately, they begin to fear you. Mm -hmm. And when people fear you, they don't wanna be around you and they don't wanna express themselves fully when they are with you. And when you are a manager and solving or an executive and working on the complex things that are thrown at you every day, what you really want is that full participation and disclosure of ideas from your team if they are limiting their expression with you and trying to leave your presence as quickly as possible, one, they're probably not terribly loyal. And two, you're not getting the benefit of their full ideas. And three, they're stressed around you. And we all know that when you're stressed, it inhibits your ability to think creatively, to think deeply, and to be effective in your work. So... That's, that's in a nutshell why I think learning to be compassionate as an executive is so important. So how can we find our own journey in showing more empathy? I think reflective listening is really valuable. So I think when you hear something from somebody, instead of thinking that won't work and looking for all the reasons why you can discard their idea, try to first think, be sure that you fully understand it by reflecting it back to them. And that's simply repeating back to them what you think you heard and checking in with them to say, is that correct? Because let's say it is, that's great. Then you move on and you can explore it more fully. And then the other person feels acknowledged rather than slammed for presenting an idea. But when you reflect that, it might elicit even deeper thinking from the part of the person who just presented an idea to you. And they might with you, come up with something even better. So there's only an upside in taking that little moment just to reflect back to somebody what you've heard. So can you share with us some of your client success stories? So I'll share two kind of general stories with you. I find that uh, it's quite common among women and minorities who are in the minority in management and in corporate America, we know, to feel uncomfortable with their boss or with their company talking about their career plan. And it's easy when you are not sure how much you are really liked, or you feel like you're a little bit on the fringe to think that you're not wanted and you're not appreciated, and you might consider leaving. And one area that I think is of real value to employees who have high career aspirations is to do a little bit of work and identify what your life's intentions are and think about what your own standards of integrity are. Document and and really consider your strengths and weaknesses and what you've done so far in your performance and take that to your boss. Ask for a meeting, plan it ahead of time, but ask for a meeting to talk about your career goals so that you are making a Presentation. I mean, put some time and effort into it because what is more important than yourself? But take some time to present to your boss what you've done, what you've learned, where you're trying to go, and ask for their help and support. So I find that that works a lot of the time for people. And many of my clients are just so overwhelmingly surprised by the response they get from their manager and for their companies because a flood of appreciation and desire to help them and work with them and support their career and their management aspirations just comes out. And then you've gone from feeling like you're an outsider and you're on the fringe and nobody cares. So I might as well leave to feeling more, okay. I might see a path. It's not everything that I've been interpreting in a negative way, maybe isn't accurate. And I'm gonna give this all of my all and go forward and and go for my goals. Another example, and this would deal more with the DEI, is working with people to, it, it's so meaningful to me when somebody sees that microaggressions are harmful because they're subtle. It's not clear. It's easy to claim that it's a joke or that the other person is being too sensitive. And it's really hard to see the harm that this causes on the person who is the target of the microaggression. And even the word microaggression is really not a good one because the first thing somebody says when they have been told they made a microaggression is I wasn't being aggressive because they weren't being aggressive. They just made a comment that was kind of not very welcoming. And the next thing they say is micro, you're making a big deal out of a little thing. So what's the big deal? It's just kind of invalidating the whole feeling of being left out. And I think, and there's a book about this that I want to recommend to your listeners. It's called Subtle Acts of Exclusion. And that's another word for microaggressions. It's by Tiffany Jana and Michael Barron. And it talks about how you can identify when they happen, the roles that we can play in a microaggression and how to how to respond to them when they do. Because the outcome of a microaggression or a subtle act of exclusion is to feel excluded. So once we look at it from the framing of what is the outcome of a microaggression and think about it as a subtle act of exclusion, then we can not feel so guilty, I guess, when we have committed a microaggression because it is probably true we weren't trying to be aggressive. So that helps us reach better understanding on the harm that it can cause and helps us see that we do want to include people. So it brings some buy-in to working together to address in what's often just a bad habit. And when people see the harm that they are doing in a way that doesn't make them feel guilty, they're not bad people, they didn't intend to do anything, it's just like a, you know, a bad habit, kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to mention my bad habits, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it could be just joking around. One of the ones that I see, I've seen a lot in my life uh, is just how sometimes um, people can joke and be, and they think that they're being nice. They think they're doing it to connect with somebody, but the joking is an insult, Mm
0: -hmm. right?
1: And right. and if you maybe you grew up in an, in an environment where people did that and it was okay, it was acceptable, and everyone just knew you were joking, but if somebody's not raised up in or around that and not used to it, it could be like really like what? Yeah. Or if it makes you feel like
0: you're different and people are looking you and judging you and assessing you because you're different in some way, that makes you feel uncomfortable. And the frequency yeah. matters. We have all been subjected. To microaggressions and we've all committed microaggressions but if it happens to you a couple times a month it's a very different experience than if you're getting several a day and when you're getting several a day one time something happens you kind of brush it off like oh no big deal but if you're getting it from multiple people multiple times a day or with some frequency during the week you start thinking is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with my hair? Is there something wrong with the way I dress? Is there something wrong with the way I talk? Like you start really thinking there's something wrong with you because you're getting multiple signals from multiple points. So I think it's important that we take microaggressions for seriously because they, they do have a physical and emotional impact on the people who experience them Significantly more than others.
1: What do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? I think that it's. I think that if you prepare a
0: lot and work hard and have success in that preparation and have anticipated questions, you typically can have everything at the tip of your fingers. So it can be risky to say, "I don't understand." It can be risky to say, "That doesn't make sense to me." And so the truth for me has been to let go the fear of the appearance that I don't know what I'm doing and realize just like everybody else, I'm learning and there are going to be times when I need more support. So that's been uh, an area of growth for me. And I encourage other people who have had to be strong and have had to be capable and know the answer, and do the work, and be over-prepared for everything. I encourage you to explore what it's like and the effect on your personal power and social relationships when you put that down and let yourself become vulnerable and open to learning.
1: If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Oh, Amy, I love that question. That's like one of my favorite questions ever. So
0: here is my advice on that. Play catch, not tennis. What do I mean by that? Talking to people is like passing a ball around. And so when you play catch, when somebody comes to you with something, catch the ball, look at that ball, turn it around. Think about from what direction it was sent, what kind of force it has. Was the intention to come right to your hands? Was the intention to challenge you? Was it just a a wild throw? Play catch, look at that ball, fully consider it and then throw it back. But if you're playing tennis, you're trying to win a point and you're trying to hit it back right away as quick as possible with all the force you can because you're trying to, I don't know, Just stay in the game in one sense or win a point in another sense. I think that it's really valuable for building relationships and growing as an employee and a manager to think about how you're playing catch rather than trying to score points playing tennis.
1: If there are individuals that are listening that would love to get a hold of you to work with you, what's the best way to contact you?
0: The best way to contact me is through my website. It's uh, Inside Edge Consulting, LLC. And the URL is www.inside-edge-group.com. And there I have a scheduling page. Anyone can come to me and schedule a 30-minute free discovery session. And we can talk about what challenges you are facing and what opportunities you are seeking And if you want to talk about diversity and equity inclusion, I also offer a free session regarding that too. So you can just book time with me. I would love to meet your listeners who want to talk more about coaching and
1: diversity, equity, and inclusion. I love that. And I'll make sure to put all those links down below. Beverly, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today.
0: Thank you, Amy. It's been a pleasure to be with you.
1: Yeah, and if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast, you can go to a call to dot com. Thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful week.